But anyway, so your podcast, man. Yeah, yeah. The podcast was great. Um, my co-host is, uh, her name's Claire. She's up in Canada, so she's a Canadian ad- adoptee. And then I'm a triplet, so my brothers and I were adopted from Korea. So we. she reached out to me and she said, hey, you know, I want to start a podcast about adoption, but I'm white and I feel like, you know, <laughs> we need some, you know, diversity or I need some diversity in a co-host. And I was like, yeah, that sounds awesome. So we launched it during the pandemic, um, which, you know, everyone was, you guys were doing yeah. that. And uh, it was great. We had some really interesting guests. And then when I started my new job down here in Texas, my employer uh, required me to end all side hustles. But the odd thing was that I wasn't making any money off the podcast. It was just like a passion project. So I just told him, this isn't monetized. We're just making a podcast. And he says, nothing. You just have to end everything. So. Mm. Unfortunately, I had to let her know that um, I wasn't going to continue, but left that job. So we actually, she reached out to me yesterday, which was like random. And so we might pick up on that. But again, doing everything remote is so hard, you know, um, with internet connections and stuff like that. And I I really wish we could get some guests in person like this because this is way better. Yeah. Um, But we'll see. It's way different. Yeah, my uh, my sister adopted three kids. Oh wow! And so, um, yeah, once you're adopted, I imagine that's just you know you want to know more people that are in, that went through the same process. Yeah, and I and think it doesn't matter, um, you know, where you're from, what you look like. I think all adoptees experience similar feelings of identity issues and that wonder um, if you haven't done a birth parent search or anything like that. And then we dove deeper into Canadian adoption, how that's different from. Uh, my situation, um, especially transracial adoptions, because my parents are white. So um, people will look at me and they're like, oh, you know, you're Korean, like t- you cook Korean food. I'm like, no, I, I grew up on Italian food. I, I don't know anything about being Korean. So, um, you know, there's a whole Korean adoptee community in a, of itself because um, I think there was like 200,000 Korean babies that were given up between the 70s and 90s. Oh. So there's a big and there's a whole reason behind all that, which is like a long story. But um, yeah, we just felt like we wanted to create a place for adoptees that could feel um, seen and heard because a lot of us feel isolated. Uh, so yeah, it was a cool project. I think that's effective. That's that's a that's a you know if I were adopted or even not adopted, I like to, to watch that and 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 see how you know it's a, a different life that you go through when you don't know your parents did you go and look for your biological family like yeah you? i did a search like eight years ago um and the thing with korean adoption it's the culture is so different so a lot of information that korean adoptees are given are tip is typically fabricated just because you have to understand that it's a culture where women um live in shame for giving up babies and there are lots of different circumstances so either if you were unwed, you weren't going to get support from your community. So you were forced to do that. If you, um, I mean, unfortunately, rape is something that obviously happens everywhere. But uh, if you're single and unwed, you're also assumed that you're a prostitute. So if that happens, then obviously you don't get support from, I mean, you can get fired, actually, uh, from your job. Back in the 80s, that was obviously very strict. And then other situations where just people are just too poor, you know, and um even though you might have been in a uh, a child of like married um, parents, typically these people in the 80s, Korea was still a third world country. So it was 
everyone crammed in a little apartment. And if you have another child, it's just like, there's no room, there's no food. You have to kind of get rid of the baby. So there's a lot of things like that. But, um, Claire and I actually trademarked a hashtag, uh, adopted AF and the kind of (laughs) reasoning behind that, we want people to own it, you know, is that I'm adopted as fucking like, just be proud about that rather than hide it or not talk about it. You know, I think that's often to what, um, what happens with adoptees is they just don't want to talk about it because a, you don't know anything about your past that can be a trigger. And then it's like, who do I talk to about that? You know? So, um, yeah. Were you born in Korea? Yeah. My brothers and I were born in Seoul and then we were adopted. Um, I think it was about, we were a little over a year old. I think by the time they got us to the States because from my birth parents search, I found that we were actually separated. Um, so Justin and I were with one foster mother and then Jeremy was with another. And if you meet all three of us, Jeremy is very different. And I always think, I don't think that's a coincidence. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. And then when I found that out, I told my brother Justin, he says, you think that's why Jeremy said, I'm like, <laughs> maybe man, I, I don't know. Is don't Jeremy know. the one long hair? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He's non-binary and which we support. And obviously that's awesome. Um, but he is very different from Justin and I. But I mean, we're all different, you know, but I think Justin and I, if you look at us just face value, you know, a lot of tattoos, we both do CrossFit. Like, that's fine. Jeremy goes out of his way to be a little different, um, which he's always been like that. So, yeah. So you're thinking that's more of a nurture thing? I Maybe, you know, yeah. um, again, the circumstance around us being separate is still kind of unknown. Um, I was told by someone in Korea through a, like a, um, they call it, uh, Korean Adopted Services, I think, KAS. And the person there just told me, oh, well, we couldn't find a foster mother that could take care of three babies at once because that's overwhelming. So we found two foster mothers in the same area, neighborhood. But the more I spoke to other people in that community of Korean adoptees, they just said that's bullshit because mothers were taking care of 10 babies. So you have to also remember, it's also a money-making enterprise adoption into the 80s and 90s so a lot of babies were stolen sold into the system so my brother jeremy is convinced that we were potentially stolen i don't know because there was a a adoption agency in korea called uh brother's home or something like that and so he found an article and it was talking about this man his name is dr kim duck wang which is a hilarious name but um (laughs) He ran this adoption agency and they were notorious for selling children into the system. And Jeremy found our, I had found our records and I gave them to him. And I didn't look at everything. And he says, look at our guardian. It's Dr. Kim Duck Wang. Oh and I was like, okay, pump the brakes. And he says, no, bro, I think we were stolen. I'm like, okay, you don't know that for sure. Calm down. So I don't know. And the problem is, is I can't get any information from people over there. They said, oh, you have to fly over here and, you know, hire a private investigator maybe or do something. Um, but we, you know, there's just not information they could give us uh, via email. So it, the the search kind of like stopped at that point. So do you feel like you missed out on some of your culture <clears throat> growing up in America? Like how, how boring is it here? You know? <laughs> well, I didn't grow up in America. So um, my brothers and I were adopted. Uh, we flew to JFK. Originally, my parents were living in New Jersey at the time. My dad uh, worked for ExxonMobil for, you know, 30, 40 years. 
So uh, we were in New Jersey for about a year, and then my dad took his first overseas assignment. So then we, from kindergarten to 10th grade, we lived overseas. So mm. uh, we moved to Italy uh, when we were, like, I don't really remember that. I just have baby videos from that. And then kindergarten to fifth grade, we lived in Singapore. Uh, sixth grade to middle of seventh, we lived in London. And then middle of seventh to 10th grade, we were in Norway. So I didn't grow up in the States. As much as my whole family's from here, we'd come to the States for the summers. But yeah, uh, moving from Norway to Texas, I mean, it was always a culture shock moving to a new country, you know? But Texas, dude, like way different. Like bigger culture shock than moving from country to country, new cultures, customs, languages, Texas was like intense. Like in a bad way? Or? Yeah. Yeah? Oh, yeah. What? What are, I, I need some examples. I never experienced racism until I moved here. And I think I sometimes forget that I'm Asian because I'm, I'm just, my whole family's white. I just, it's this weird thing where I, I view myself as a white person, but I know I'm not. And then I forget until someone says something to me that's overtly racist, which has ha- happened more times than I can count living in the state. And I always forget. I'm like, Oh yeah. No way. I'm coconut. What's common? Like, um, common things that that you, for a a long time. Um, every time I'd come back to visit my parents because they, they were living in the woodlands for a while. My dad and I would go to a liquor store, just pick up some stuff. And there's always, it's always three to four dudes in a truck. (laughs) And they always shout something as they're driving away. And it's always like, go back to where you came from, chink. And I'm just no like, way. wow. Like, okay. And then my friends, why don't you say something? I said, well, I don't want to get my ass kicked by four dudes. You know, it's not worth it. And anything I'm going to say is not going to really change their mind. So let them say what they want to say. You know, those liquor stores are hardcore, man. That's where it's, that's where it's at. <laughs> that. And then, you know, random gas stations. I mean, <laughs> stuff like that. You know, we, we, we talked about that. Some, it's always like a truck. Someone yells it out, but we always, we're always like, what was happening before in that truck? Yeah. So we're, we're imagining these two people having this very sophisticated conversation like, <laughs> yeah. what do you think about uh, biometrics and yeah. where we're getting? And they're like, hold on. <laughs> you fucker! <laughs> you know, like, that it's was, just like I, an impulse. I, I, would, I would love to think that these people are scholars, but they're not. You know? <laughs> um, and then during uh, you know, the pandemic, I think the racism online got pretty intense uh, on my social media platforms. And you know, I've experienced that from time to time, but I think, you know, during COVID, it was um, it was aggressive. Uh, and it almost got me to kind of cl- close my platforms just because I, it was too much, you know, death threats and, you know, all the, the language, you know, bad eater, COVID, Kung flu. One guy wrote, or several people wrote, hey, remember when we bombed your ancestors and they fucking fried? And I'm like, first <laughs> off, wow. Secondly, I'm not Japanese. And thirdly, like, <laughs> what is going on in your life? Like, that's fucking crazy. Yeah. And I'm like, that's, that's rough. Like, wow. You know? And I remember my manager, uh, my manager has a, um, a, uh, a company that does like full service for social media accounts and people like that. So I just reached out to him. I said, I, I can't do this. Like this is ruining. I already suffer from mental health issues. So like, this is not helping. And, uh, these people are clearly, you know, breaking community guideline rules. You know, like this is hate. This is hate speech. Like I reported 600 accounts and they didn't do anything to them. And so t- they reached out to TikTok, my management 
uh, manager's um, team reached reach out to TikTok and they, it was terrible. They sent a response that basically said, we will never remove these accounts because they increase engagement. So it's like, wow. I said, okay, I, I hate this platform. And then at the time I had like half a million followers on TikTok and my manager was like, wait, wait, pump the brakes. You've worked really hard to build this following. Do you really just want to, I'm like, yeah, if I can't, I can't support a platform like this. And then he says, he said it in a great way. He said, look, just picture this like you're in someone's house. There are rules. And if, if you don't want to follow those rules, then I, I, I get it. Delete your account. Fine. But why give into those things? Because I was doing a lot of the response videos. Like someone writes, say something racist or something, and I would just like blast them, you know? But then he says, you do understand that's kind of their, their goal is to, for you to respond and react. And then you expose their platform to all your fault. You know, it's, you're falling for that trap. And he says, just focus on what you're good at, just positivity, you know, don't read the comments. And, you know, it took a while and I kind of thought about it. I'm like, you know, I think I could do that. So I just stopped reading comments and just started pumping out positivity. So when you moved to Texas, where was, did you originally first come to Houston? Was it? Uh, we moved to Montgomery. Which, See, there's your problem. Right? Uh, <laughs> I agree. Agree. Yeah, it depends on where in Texas. <laughs> yeah, I, I I agree. I think um, I'll never forget it. We were driving. Um, I don't know where we were driving. Our first car, my brothers and I got was a 1999 Toyota Camry. And to this day, I don't know why my brothers wanted that car because I wanted a Forerunner, but it was kind of a vote, and they voted for a Camry. Whatever. But it was a black Camry with tinted windows, and we were driving on 105 with one of our friends. Her name um, is Monica, but people called her Sparkle. Anyway, she's black. So we're just driving down the road, and then we get pulled over for no reason. Clear, not speeding, anything like that. And Monica's from Montgomery, so she just says, and we, my brothers and I didn't know any better. And so she says, just calm, just stay calm and just do whatever he says. And we're like, why are you so nervous? And she says, you'll see. And I'm like, well, what does that mean? And so the cop, my brother Justin was driving. He literally draws his gun and tells my brother to get out of the car. And I'm like, well, what is, and I need your reaction. I'm in the passenger seat. So I get out of the car and I'm like, excuse me, like why? And then Monica was like, what are you doing? Stop, don't move. And I'm like, okay. So then he put my brother on the hood of the car, um, hands on the hood. And I'm just like, what is going on? And then he says, uh, is this your car? And we're like, yeah, I gave him license, registration, all that stuff. And then he proceeds to ask my brother to open the trunk. And then I'm like, what? what is he? Okay. And before he opens the trunk, I, I laughed out loud and that didn't help. But he said, "Do I'll never forget. I don't, it's so weird. He says, do you have a bazooka in your trunk? <laughs> and I'm thinking, what the f Did he just say bazooka? Like, what? And obviously there's nothing in our trunk. And he was just, you know, he just let us go. And I'm just, and I'm sitting in the car. We're not driving. We're just sitting there. And my brothers and I are shocked. Monica's not shocked. And she just says, you know, this is where we live, you know? And I'm just like, wow, this is really weird. Um, but set aside that, I think also, you know, the uh, Southern Baptists, uh, it, 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 it can get intense. Like I dated a girl in high school um, and she was Southern Baptist. And I had had four lung surgeries prior to going to college and 
So religion, all that stuff, I was just in a really weird head. I'm like, there's no one listening. I don't know why this happened. It's a long story. So she would always ask me to go to church with her. And I said, no, no way. I was raised Catholic. Like, not that I identify with that, you know, uh, denomination anymore. But I was just like, no, I'm good. And finally, one day I just decided to go. And then I get in this church and I quickly realize I'm the only person of color. So automatically, I feel uncomfortable. Um, everyone seemed pretty nice. I was like, okay, fine. So I sit down, and then the pastor comes up, and he just starts his sermon, and he says, Levi Strauss's stock has gone down 10 points. Praise the Lord. And everyone's just like hands up in the air. I'm like, what is going on? And then he says, why are we celebrating this today? And I said, I want to know. And he says, we're, we're celebrating this because the owners of Levi Strauss are homosexuals. And I was like, what? And everyone's like, fag, fag is, uh, and I'm like, and again, prior to moving to Texas, I just thought racism and homophobia and all this stuff. I'm like, oh, we're progressing as a society, da, 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 da. And then you move here. I'm like, no, this is taught, like this is alive and well. And, and so then I thought, wow, this is very uncomfortable. So I was mortified. I'm like, okay, I can't date this girl anymore. And then she says, why don't you come to the youth group afterwards? And I'm like, what? And she says, oh, you know, we all gather and we talk to, we'll talk about what was said. And I'm like, I don't, I don't want to, like, I, I'm good. And then she says, come on. Okay. So I go and this youth pastor, she says, I think we need to talk about what was discussed today. I was like, hell yeah, we do because I should. And he says, if you had two choices, befriend the homosexual. I'm like, why are you saying it like that? They're gay people. Just call them gay. He says, or beat that homosexual up, which would you choose? And I'm like, what? And I was the only one that voted not to beat up a gay person. <laughs> and then she pulls me out of the room. She's like, you're embarrassing me. I'm like, embarrassing you. You're embarrassing, period. Like, done, out. Like, uh. And I, I went home and I told my parents and they just said, and my mom says, where did you move us? To my dad. And I was like, this place is crazy, you know? And again, maybe I just found a weird pocket of Texas um, but I mean, we are in a pretty conservative state. So it was just, uh, I just felt like the racism here is very in your face and aggressive where like I lived in Utah for three years and they're all very racist, but they're like Mormon racist where like, they're kind of nice about it. And you're like, Oh wow. And you don't realize they're being racist until like later. And you're like, Oh, yeah. you know, here it's just really like angry and, um, you know, like I said, ag- aggressive. And so. I want. I wonder. Oh, do you feel the same way about being in Houston, though, as in Montgomery? Um, no, I, I, I think it's a fact, and that you know, the more you move to a metropolitan metropolitan city, you're going to get a different, you know, demographic of people. Not saying that it's not there, um, but obviously, with education comes a little more open mindedness. In general, not always. Um, but yeah, my, my dad, we moved around the world with different Exxon families. And one of them, um, the Joneses, I mean, Jeff Jones has been a family friend of ours for over a decade. And he's from Baton Rouge and LSU, diehard um, LSU guy. And he even says, look, he still keeps in touch with all his college buddies and none of them left. And so they get an argument. And he says, look, if it wasn't for Exxon, if it wasn't for the fact that I moved all over the world was forced to engage with people of different races, cultures, customs, religions, orientations. He says, that's the only reason why I see the world the way that I do because of my job. But if I stayed, I'd be just like these guys. And they, they're all 
very conservative, very right leaning, and very, I mean, kind of racist. So, you know, uh, I don't know. But then again, I've met people that have traveled and are still ra- so. It's like. <laughs> It really you they know, travel to be racist. Uh, no, they, you know, tra- they travel. I can't wait to go to, oh, can- to Mexico. To- <laughs> <laughs> like, who can I attack today? Yeah, um, I've attacked everybody here. Let me uh, move yeah, somewhere. Yeah. I wonder yeah. if there's. I wonder if we go to other countries that they're just as racist as America. I, like, you know, there's fucking Americans. I, look, in. it's everywhere. Okay, don't get me wrong. You know, I think even within, from my understanding, um, even within the Asian culture, there's racism between. A hierarchy of like it's like Japanese, you know, Chinese, Korean, and then everyone. So, so is that the Japanese the on the top? I, I believe. I mean, Japanese is always number one. You know, why is that? I, I I don't know the history. Better food? That. Um, not, I don't know. More I mean, technologically advanced. Yeah, wow. I mean, it's just the uh, my understanding is that they feel that they are just above other Asian cultures, and I I don't know if that just. I don't know where that stems from, but I know that that's kind of like the top three. If you want to, like <laughs> I've heard of this ridiculous. though. I've heard of this hierarchy, and I th- but I thought it was Chinese above Japanese. Uh, I think it's <laughs> Japanese, Chinese, Korean, and then everyone's just kind of like whatever. If you, you know? go to China, they're not going to say, "Oh, oh no." no. I, and you know, I, I don't know. I've, I've again, it's hard for me to identify with that because I, I don't know much about the Korean culture. You know, just a little bit. Um, so. Do you think, um, shit, I lost my train of thought. <laughs> I was about the Chinese, Japanese. Um, yeah, I don't know why I've, I've heard that, but there's I've a never, little, there's a little hierarchy. That. I have some uh, Vietnamese friends. And oh, like, mm-hmm. I remember. But, if you go to, to China or, or Japan, will they be able to tell that you are Korean? Yeah, I mean, yeah. You can, not always, but typically, yes. Really? You know, I can kind of tell where right. someone might be from, um, but... Again, you know, I still, ha- I mean, I've had people ask me if I'm, you know, Japanese. I mean, I had someone ask me if I was Mexican. I was like, what? <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh. Um, but I think for the most part, you can kind of tell. And especially through like mannerisms and, and mm. stuff like that. I think um, within Asia, you can get an idea. If you're brown to me. Then you're Mexican, like like you're a hundred percent Mexican. Um, but Brazilian people and people from Puerto Rico, they hate. Like, oh, don't yeah. call them Mexican. But it's like, all right, you're Hispanic. Like it's a. I'm not trying to be racist. You're I, just Mexican. I lived in Miami for 17 years, and my old business partner, because um, I owned a CrossFit gym down there for 10 years, and uh, anytime we needed painting done in the gym, he's like, I'm gonna go to Home Depot and pick up a bunch of Mexicans. I'm like, <laughs> dude, like how do you know they're Mexican? He's like. I don't know. I said, why don't you ask them? So I remember he picked up some guys and we, you know, gave them McDonald's or whatever for, for lunch or whatever. And I said, did you ask him? He's like, yeah, man, they're Guatemalan. I was <sighs> like, okay. So every time after that, he's like, hey, man, I'm going to go to Home Depot, pick up a bunch of, a bunch of Guatemalans. I'm like, how do you know those people are Guatemalan? He's like, bro, doesn't matter. I'm like, oh, whatever. Um, I didn't think but, that was a real thing. Like I've seen it on TV where oh, people. Oh, yeah, it's a real thing. Dude. dude yeah. It's yeah. A, I mean, I. Miami for sure. Like they just hang out in the parking lot. So and you look, paid them in McDonald's? No, we paid them money, but oh, we okay. gave them gave them lunch. That would okay. be terrible. For me. <laughs> I was like, damn. No, no. Um, but yeah, we would. T- he would do those. He would pick up help from Home Depot, and then he would buy stuff from Home like 
drills and whatever. And then they have this amazing return policy. You just return it. It doesn't matter what conditions it's in. So we never paid. I mean, he would just buy it, return it, get the money back. He's like, awesome. So he was savvy in in many different ways it's like um, amazon before amazon yeah or walmart yeah. just he just borrow stuff from well, walmart he, he, and bring it back we would break some drills trying to drill in the concrete and i'm like you can't return that. he's like yeah you can i said what he said and he used to be um on the national team for uh, usa taekwondo so part of their deal as a olympic athlete is that you have kind of a part-time job with home depot because they're a huge sponsor for the olympics so he knows all the ins and outs of home depot he says dude that you can return anything Break it. You can run it over. Like they ask no questions, just return it. I was like, man, that's awesome. So you probably save lots of money. Is there like a hierarchy for people who are are the brunt of more racist racism in America? I and I'm I'm asking because maybe I'm I'm dumb and I haven't recognized it, but I don't think I've ever been the brunt of a racist joke. Really. I don't think so. And what's, I grew up in Dripping Springs, which is... What's the, your um, nationality, your heritage? Mexican. Okay. Coconut. I'm brown on the outside, white in the middle. You know what I mean? Well, they... Oh, huh? Twinkie, I think that's what I'm calling it. <laughs> Twinkie. Yeah. You could call it Twinkie? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Um, I, don't, I don't know if uh, if there's a hierarchy with that. I mean... I don't know. I've never... Like I said, I may be ignorant to it, but I don't think I've ever... I mean, are we saying like... Who's the most racist, and then who's the kind of like? Yeah, that? like it, like and if there's a, if you could take a racist person, and you put different people in front of them of different ethnicities, who would they oh, be more racist to? Got it, got it, got it, got it. You know what um, I mean? in this country, it's always I think it's going to be you know, black, black people, um, Hispanic, really, and then Asian would be last because remember Asians are given the stereotype that we're we're. We're, we're smart. We're hard workers. We're we're non-combative. Hey, Mexicans you know? are hard worker. Don't piss me off, yeah. bro. No, but but Asians are very Guatemalans. Sub- yeah, yeah. <laughs> but Asians are are stereotyped as being very submissive. We're not gonna speak out. We're not gonna step out of line. Um, and I think that's why we probably would be last. And you know, they they think, well, you know, all all Asians are really good at math and they're really <laughs> smart, you know, so they're adding to our, our society when they think everyone else is just stealing jobs or yeah. whatever it may be, you know? So I think in those three, probably, um, Asian would be last. It's gotta be exhausting. Always talking about race, right? Yeah. I'm look, I think anyone of color, I mean, it, it, it's just old. It's like, yeah, you know, it's 2022. Let's get past this. Cause yeah. I, I, uh, it's not relative, but like, you know, when you, change your diet or whatever that becomes like the topic you can't talk about anything else you can't talk about religion politics and diet those three things are really like polarizing Mm -hmm. um so unfortunately you know i i just don't think we live in a time now unfortunately where we can have a discussion it's either you agree with me or you're wrong fake news or i can find some people on the internet that agree with me so you can't have intellectual intellectual discourse you can't have we can't agree to disagree anymore because google you know it's like oh well i'm gonna look it up you know and people don't realize also the way these algorithms are set up they're they're feeding you things that they know you search for and you agree with so of course you can get an overarching sense that oh look at all these people that agree with me i'm like are you stupid like that's not the point. The point is to have conversations with people that don't see the world the way you do. That's the only way forward. You can't just talk amongst people that agree with you. Like that makes no sense to me. 
you know, but we can't, it's just hard now that, I mean, my mom, I don't know how she has 13,000 followers on Twitter. Damn. I don't know how. And it's a political Twitter account because my mom is very, as much as she says she's not a liberal, it's very left-leaning. <laughs> and the handle is absurd. Left-wing mom? <laughs> no, it's called Twittin' Sue. And I'm like, you don't twit, you tweet. You That's 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 wrong. Like you, your whole handle makes no sense. And she's like, oh, so what? And so I'm like, but the thing is, it's that you can't, she has this uncanny ability to bring up politics <laughs> up in any conversation, any set, situation, any setting. And I, I, I just, it's it, it baffled. I'm like, mom, you, stop. Like, don't bring it. It's not worth it, you know? And then she says, you know, well, you know, I think if I can change one person's mind, I'm like, but that's where you're wrong. Like, it just creates a, especially with her friends and the group that she kind of hangs out with, they're all, they don't see the world the way she does, you know, and they, um, they always have something to say about a post she made on Facebook or Twitter or whatever. And I'm just like, you know, can we talk about anything else, you know? Was your mom into politics before Donald Trump? No. Yeah, see? <laughs> a lot of people jumped on that. Yeah. After yeah. That. My dad does um, the same. My dad will bring up how much Donald Trump lies if we're watching football. Like, yeah. they'll be playing a game, and he's like, oh, well, he lied to the coach. And my dad would be like, yeah, so did fucking Donald Trump. <laughs> <laughs> like, Donald Trump's a liar. <laughs> yeah, and I don't know. That whole thing, um, I think people also forget that he ran Democrat. Yeah. And they just conveniently forget that. I'm like, look. And it for me, it's not even worth talking about. It. I mean, it's like, okay, look, you're not going to convince those people. They are, they're doubling down, you know, and, and that's fine. Whatever, you know, I, at the end of the day, you have your own choice. You choose who you want. That's cool. But, you know, it's just, I, he's the one that's created this world where we can't have conversations anymore because if, your views don't align with my views, then I, I stop the conversation. I mean, friendships, like they all end, you know, because of stuff like this. And I don't remember a time when that ever was the case, you know, like you could be a Republican, you'd be Democrat. I'm like you might not see eye to eye, but not to a point where it would just sever relationships, you know? Um, but that's kind of the polarized world we live in now. And I think, unfortunately, so th social media has a lot to do with that. Um, so I don't know. So with social media, you're pretty big on social media now. Mm. What got you into it? What what how this progress into what it is? Um, I remember it was Thanksgiving, maybe like six or seven years ago. One of my brother's friends followed me on Instagram, and I had like I don't know hundred follow. I wasn't. For me, Instagram originally was my way of recording my workouts. It was just like my journal. I didn't care who, I just wrote down what I did so I can look back on it. And he pulled me aside and he says, hey, you know, I follow you on Instagram. And, I was, and that, at that time, I'm like, that's weird. Why are you following me? And he said, hey, I really like your content. I'm like, at the time, I'm like, what is that even content? Like, what? I said, my videos? And he says, yeah. I said, okay. He says, can I give you some constructive criticism? I'm like, about my workouts? I'm like, sure. And he says, you know, the stuff you do is super motivating, but there's a huge disconnect between what you do and what maybe I could do, and it's very discouraging. And I said, 
that's not my problem. Like, <laughs> if it's just, I'm sorry, but I'm not posting for you. Reminds me of Kenny. And then yeah. he says, uh, you do realize that you can make money off Instagram. I said, no, you can't. He says, yeah, you can. I said, what do you do? He says, well, you got to change your content. I'm like, content? He's like, your videos. And I was like, oh, okay. And then he just walked me through it briefly. You know, he says, look, don't use filters, high quality videos, better lighting, all this stuff, write captions and stuff like that. So I'm like, okay. So I started doing it and, you know, it, it helped dramatically. And then I think what happened was when I left my gym in Miami, because we opened that gym in 2008 and then I left Miami in 2018. And so then I moved out to Salt Lake City with my now ex-wife and uh, I started really, I mean, I paid a photographer and we did a lot of professional videos and stuff like that. And so that got some small brands reaching out to me and saying, hey, you know, we'd like to do um, a barter system. And I, and at the time I'm like, what, what barter products for what? And they're like, for a post, you post about it. We'll give you free stuff. And I was like, awesome. I was like, cool. Free clothes, free food, whatever it is. I was like, yeah, let's, let's do this. And then, so what happened, those turned into paid partnerships. And then as their pages grew, my page grew because they were obviously using my content to repost on their stuff. And then I realized, oh my gosh. So then within like a year of being in Salt Lake city, I had, you know, four or five different sponsors and I mean, lucrative. I'm like, oh my God, like this is so easy, you know? Uh, and then unfortunately when I started my new job or that I recently left, um, they made me, uh, cease and desist all those contracts, which was. What job was this? Yeah. Um, I used to work for a company called They actually what they were one of my sponsors. Um, called ancestral supplements um they're owned by liver king i don't know if you've seen him on instagram oh i've never heard of him <laughs> I'm joking. oh yeah oh he, he loves i him. love him <laughs> but not if he's like crazy no he's not crazy he's not like he, no making he, you he's not he's not crazy he's uh he's intense but i think the persona you see on instagram um is a persona you know um i will tell you this that he's one of the smartest businessman I've ever met. Uh, but I think at the end of the day, um, my long-term goals just didn't align with the position they had me in. So as much as is, you know, great experience to work there for a year. Um, I just felt like, you know, this is not speaking to my truths. And I feel like also, you know, going from, because I'm originally an architect. So going from, corporate America to small business owner when I opened my CrossFit gym in Miami for 10 years to then being kind of this entrepreneur in Salt Lake where I was, you know, managing CrossFit gyms. I was working for a startup, paid partnerships, all these things where, you know, lucrative money. And I was like, oh man, I could just make my own schedule. This is great for the most part. Um, to then going to work for someone was, was challenging, you know, because, you know, for over 10 years, I never had a boss and, and I just was like, oh, I don't, no, like this, this doesn't feel good, you know? Um, but again, we left on good terms and All that's right. fine, but, uh, he is, he's intense. So it was just conflict of interest. Why he wanted you to. Yeah. I mean, he just believed that, you know, the company was what he considered in startup mode. He says, so it's like all hands on deck. Um, and he felt, he had explained it to me like this. He said, 
you know, this is going to be a lot of work. You're going to be working all the time. And um, the only free time that you have, you have two options, uh, personal development or spend time with your family. And at the time, I'm like, wow, okay, they're really pushing this work-life balance. That's cool. Um, even though it was way more work than I had imagined. Um, what kind of work? Like, What were you doing? Uh, originally, I was a product expert for them, so I was responding to emails. And they get hundreds and hundreds of emails a week, or daily, actually. And so it's just a matter of... And that's how they've, they've grown, is that they give this kind of... Um, first class kind of Ritz Carlton experience when you message them because a lot of these people are, have tried everything under the sun. You know, they've been on every medication. They've tried everything. Their physicians have, you know, uh, encouraged or um, suggested. And it's like, they just don't know what else to do. So we, they share a lot of intimate details so you, you create a rapport with these people, you know, and you, you sympathize with them because many of the people that work there have gone through very similar health issues and found ancestral living and nose-to-tail nutrition as a way out of being reliant on medication. You know, and one of my older brothers is a chief resident and professor at Yale. Super smart guy, primary care physician, but he's the first to tell you, I am not trained to talk to my patients about changing their lifestyle. And I'm like, but you're a doctor and you're a primary care doctor. And he says, look, medical schools in this country are funded by big pharma. So my curriculum is good at giving a prescription, giving a pill for an ill. But to change lifestyle, we just, we aren't trained like that. He says, I maybe got a semester in nutrition in, in, at like Columbia and Yale, you know? And these are like the top medical schools in the country. And I just said, that's terrible. And he says, it's just the system we're in. So he does like what I do because he considers it preventive medicine. You know, it's like, I want to get my clients to a point where they don't have to go see my brother, you know? Um, so, you know, going back to what I was doing for that, basically just answering emails. And then uh, that transitioned to me kind of running social media for them, um, which I did for a short period of time. And then, you know, I was just like, all right, I think I need to, get out so how was that conversation was it kind of awkward to have uh yeah it i i think they knew i mean you kind of get a sense you know it's um like we would have meetings monday wednesday and fridays and we always kind of uh share wins at the beginning of the meeting so it's this idea of creating momentum you know creating a positive mindset and just um connecting and bonding with your coworkers. So you share one or two th wins. They could be struggles. Um, but my wins just progressively just got to like one day I just, I'd be like, I have no wins. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and then it was like, Damn. really? Yeah. It, <laughs> and it, people are like, Oh no. Like, what's and so, you know, people come in, Hey, everything. Okay. You weren't in it no more. Yeah. And so I think once I realized that I said, Oh, that's kind of disrupting company culture. So, you know, for a little while, I was just over the top. I'm like, guys, life is awesome. I went outside yesterday and I got a lot of sun and I just feel amazing. No, even, you didn't. Even though I'm inside, I'm like, so I'm dead inside. You know, like, so again, at the end of the day, I think, and I, 
all the stuff that that company promotes, that Liver King promotes, I believe in. You know, I believe in, you know, getting outside, getting sun, bonding, uh, doing grounding, cold exposure, movement, uh, eating nose to tail. All those things are, are, are things that I was doing before I even started working for the company. Um, but I just felt like, again, it was more of a professional decision to say like, all right, I, I, I think I, my passion is helping people the way I used to, where I do remote coaching and online coaching, where I'm helping people lose weight. And again, from architecture, I think I, I don't think any architect will admit this, but, um, they're all narcissists. I think it's this idea of how do I build a building, design a building that will last the test of time. And I leave my footprint on the world and then everyone will remember me forever. And I realized that sucked because even when you graduate from architectural school, um, you get out in in the real world and you realize, I remember all of us were just thinking, Oh, we're going to, we're going to be rock star designers. You know, we're studying all these famous architects and, uh, we blindly ignored the fact that most of these famous architects didn't make a hit build hit building until they were 60 and most of them died poor and alone and in debt. But we're like, that's not going to be us. We're going to be amazing. And you get out there and you realize you don't design. You're just a CAD monkey just doing details. Uh, I mean, I remember the first lunch we had, most of us stayed in Miami. So we all got jobs at firms in Miami. And I remember um, I sent an email out to everyone. I said, let's meet for lunch. And so we meet someplace, I think it was like in Coconut Grove. And I just remember the energy was so high. We're like, man, we're architects. Like, look at my business card, you know? <laughs> and um, two months after that, we did another lunch. And the energy was very different. No one's saying anything. And everyone's kind of got their heads down. You know, body language is just like, uh. And then one of my friends just says, this fucking sucks. And I was like, right, right. What are you working on? Bathroom details, reflective ceiling plans, outlet plans. This sucks. Are you designing? No. And I was just like, oh man, this sucks. Um, so I think, you know, leaving that and then opening the gym and working with people on a one-on-one situation, I just felt like I was making a difference on a mo- smaller scale with an individual. And if I could get someone to lose weight, um, just fit in clothes that they haven't fit in in a while, or, you know, do something physical, like get their first pull up or run a faster mile, or just, I had a guy that literally couldn't pick up a penny or a quarter off the ground because he lacked the mobility and he'd always have to get down on one knee. And one day he comes in, he says, the greatest thing just happened. I said, what? He's like, I, I picked up a quarter off the ground. And at the time, it didn't register. I'm like, oh, good for you, Dave. Like, that's awesome. He's like, Dave. no, before I couldn't do it. And I was like, oh, that's awesome. You know, so seeing people's self-confidence, self-esteem, those things improve um, for me far outweighed anything I did in architecture. And granted, I was only in architecture for like a year and a half, you know, because 2008 hit, building stopped, the economy blew up. And then I was like, what am I going to do? You know, so I was going to move to New York to our headquarter office. Um, and I was doing CrossFit uh, since 2005. So it's been a few years I'd already been doing it. And one of my older brother's friends found me on Facebook. And he lived lives in Virginia. He's an attorney and he does CrossFit. He was doing CrossFit around that time. And he says, hey, I see you do CrossFit. You should open an affiliate. And I'm like, what's an affiliate? And then... 
He's like, there are none in Miami right now. You could be the first. I'm like, okay. I, uh, I leave architecture? Like, that's a five-year degree. Lots of student loans. Do I do that? And I just thought about it, and I'm just like, I don't. If I move to New York, I'll be the last one in, first one out, because if things are getting really bad in Miami, it's everywhere. So I'm like, and plus I didn't want to live in New York. I, one of my brothers lives there, and I'm like, great to visit. It's just too much, too busy, too expensive. I'm like, no, I don't want that. So I would get my friends together. We do like family dinners on uh, like once a month, maybe. And I just remember trying to um, practice the conversation I was going to have with my parents to say, Hey guys, I'm leaving architecture. And uh, I, I wrote down all the pros and stuff like that. And I just remember when I had the conversation with my parents, um, my mom, it's just a lot of yelling. <laughs> uh, I don't remember what was said. I do remember her just saying, you know, you know nothing about owning a business. You know nothing about running a gym and you're going to throw away your career. And I was like, yeah. And so we opened in 2008. Unfortunately, got our paperwork in a couple months before the official first affiliate. So that really bothered me. I'm like, damn it. We're not first, we're second. Uh, and that's pretty much as good as last. Um, they, I think they've closed. So we are officially the oldest affiliate in Miami currently. Um, but I remember we opened up in the back of this bodybuilding gym. It was like this small dungeon of a space, low ceilings. I mean, it was wooden floors. So anytime we drop bumper plates, we'd have holes in the ground. It was just a nightmare. But the owner of the gym was so nice. And he just said, you know, you can start your business he always said business because he's like CrossFit. What's that? Um, for free. You know, you don't have to pay any rent until you guys start making some money. And then, you know, maybe just throw me something. I mean, super nice. And um, I remember my two business partners who were like Tony um, was on national team for Taekwondo. And then my other business partner, Alicia, she was also on national team. So they knew each other from the Olympic Training Center and from being on national team for so long. And I went to Alicia originally and she had a job offer and they only give one of these out to be a strength and conditioning coach at the Olympic training center in Colorado Springs. And she's a female, which is not easy to get. And she had gone through internships and stuff like that. And she got the job. They only, there's only one position. And to this day, I don't know how we convinced her not to take it. And I remember we sat her and first I told her about it. She says, now I got this, my dream job. And she says, you know, talk to one of my old teammates, Tony. And to be honest, at the time I didn't like him. Like, I was like, man, that guy's a dick. He's just like the worst. And she says, just meet him and see what he says. Because I know he's always wanted to open a gym. So I, I met with him and I said, hey, I called him actually. I said, hey, Tony, I was thinking about opening a CrossFit gym. He's like, let's do it. Like, not even a conversation. I'm like, do you even know a CrossFit? He's like, I don't care. Let's do it. And then I showed him the website. He's like, yeah, dude, this makes sense. Let's do this. And he's very much a go-getter. He's like, let's just do it and then we'll figure it out. And... Then he says, we need Alicia. And I was like, okay, well, how, she, she's got her dream job. And he says, so let's just get her for lunch. And he says, I can convince her. And I'm like, okay. So we met her at a Panera Bread and just said, hey, we could be our own boss. Like, this is awesome. And then she said, and then, he was being very convincing. And so then she's like, okay, let me see how much money I have in savings. And, th and then we just opened up. And I remember um, once we uh, got enough clients, we 
rented the space next door to this bodybuilding gym. So it was a big warehouse. So now we went from like a, I don't know, 20 by 20 room to like a huge 4,000 square or 2,000 square foot facility. And I remember my dad, I would call him and I'd say every month, I'm like, dad, we got 20 new clients. And he's like, okay, are they paying you? I'm like, yeah, yeah, they're paying me. Next month, dad, we're up to 60 clients. He says, and they're paying you. I'm like, oh my God, yes, they're paying me. And then finally, I'm like, dad, we're at 150 active members. And he says, so these people were paying you so you could torture them. I said, oh, I'm like, yeah, yeah, I guess, I guess that's what's happening. And so when he came down to Miami, um, when we had moved into our new space and he saw like what I, we had built from nothing, you know, there was, we had coaches, we had staffed out our classes. We, it was just a, a small business and it was running and the classes were packed. And so that's when my dad finally, uh, I got validation, you know, and he would call me. He's like, how many clients do you have? And I'm like, yes. <laughs> so that was fun, you know, and I think, um, uh, the reason I left Ancestral, just because I want to get back to that, I, I, I really love working with people, you know, because I think too often people are always, you know, there's too much information out there, you know, and they don't know what to do. They don't know where to start. They've tried other things, maybe not done them correctly. And then they're just like, I'm just going to be fat and out of shape. And that's just my life. And I'm like, no, there, there's a way through that. Everyone's different. There's no one size fits all diet. There's no one size fits all program, but you know, there are jumping off points, you know, we can start here and then adjust course if need be. But it's about what I do my best is I want to provide a service that I wish I had when I started because, you know, after my first lung surgery, when I got into college, I was 118 pounds. You know, I was like, my bicep was the same width as my wrist. I was just emaciated. And I, I was like, I look terrible. You know, and then went through the ebbs and flows of trial and error. And it took a long time, but I wish I had someone helping me saying, look, going down this road probably isn't the best option. But then, you know, I didn't know that. So you go down the road and you're like, wow, this is a huge waste of time. And then you have to backtrack where I had another lung surgery that set me back. And then it was just constantly rebuilding and starting over. Um, So I think because of my health issues, because of my mental health issues, I think also... I'm able to, you know, identify with a lot of my clients because let's be honest, during COVID, I think a lot of people experienced depression for the first time and they didn't know what was happening. And I'm like, I've been dealing this all my life. Like I could totally walk you through this, you know, or, or at least empathize, you know? So, so yeah. Do you find it, um, the market's pretty saturated with a lot of fitness coaches. Mm-hmm. So is there a lot of competition? Um, um yeah. No? I mean, we all have seen the cringy stuff on social media and I, I don't really, I do my best not to look at that stuff. All, all anyone can do that's in this space is focus on you, focus on your service, focus on what you're offering. And you know, it's kind of like the the advice I got f- when we opened our our gym, and the affiliate director at the time, this woman named Lisa Lugo, she said to me, <clears throat> "Find a soccer mom." I'm like, "What?" And she said, "Treat them like they're the center of your universe. Build it, and they will come." I'm like, "Okay, why soccer moms?" And then in Miami, 
you know, if you know Miami. Um, our demographic, where we were located, was a lot of middle to upper class families. Attorneys, doctors, stuff like that. And so all these mothers, it was always this kind of keeping up with the Joneses. Like, so in the carpool lane, that was our marketing. So if we, I could get a mom that has three kids to look amazing in Lululemon pants, done. And mm-hmm. that's what happened. We focused on one woman, um, and people saw her at school, and they just come in. I had one woman say, so-and-so, uh, or she says, uh, does so-and-so go to this gym? I'm like, yeah. And she says, well, you know, I saw her in the carpool lane. I, I'm really pissed. I'm like, uh, why? She's like, because she has more kids than me, and she looks better. She's a fat ass. And I was like, oh. She says, don't tell her I was here. I'm like, well, don't you, tell her. I'm like, if you work out here, she's going to see you. But I'm like, okay, don't worry. Secret safe with me. She says, can you do that for me? I said, yeah, absolutely. We've done it with her. We can do it with you. And that's how it kind of grew. So with my online um, coaching platform, it's more of the concept of just make that person a priority, you know, and you can still do that working with multiple people. You know, I think it's just a matter of creating systems that allow them to, you know, have access to you, reaching out when they need to, because it's about accountability. We all understand that if we can all do something for a few days, but if left to our own devices, we're always going to choose the path of least resistance. So it's going to be easy to talk ourselves in and out of anything. So it's my job to just keep them on a path, you know, because even myself, I get unmotivated. I get, you know, just kind of, I I can derail myself. I mean, we're all human. Um, but I think it's also being transparent about that because I think a people, a lot of people look at me and they say, Oh man, you've always looked that way. or You've always had abs or whatever. And I'm like, no, motherfucker. like I was 118 pounds, you know, I basically look like, like a bobblehead, you know, my, my, I have a giant head and I was just like this skinny body. I was like, it was terrible. <laughs> um, but you know, and also people also say, well, you're, you were born with abs. I'm like, look at my brothers. We're identical triplets. They don't have abs. <laughs> so it's like, it's not genetic. It's work. It's lifestyle. It's consistency. Um, so, yeah. And you, uh, and I, are, are you doing all online now? All online much? right now. Um, yeah. So I launched my online pr- platform July 5th. So it was pretty recent. Um, and uh, yeah, it's all just remote stuff. So it's uh, nutritional coaching, meal plans, um, workout programming. There's going to be weekly check-ins. Everything's done through my app. So it's kind of a one-stop shop and we do check-ins through the chat portion of the app so you can send text, audio, video messages. Um, and yeah, um, that's just what I've been doing now. Is it more of a challenge to do it virtually than it is in person? It is um, because it's hard to have that, like this, you know, doing a podcast through Zoom, it's cool, but it's not the same. Uh, if I could work with people in person, I would, but you know, the, the issue with that is that you can't scale, you know, and for me, I want to scale my business so I can work with as many people as possible without sacrificing that type of attention and care. Um, so there's a company I partnered with called Linus health. They're out of Denmark and they've created a a system and a platform for coaches like myself to, um, scale the business. So it's just systems. It's having the right tools, um, in play for me to, be an effective coach and again to work with more people so but you have videos on your app and you're showing how to perform yep. because crossfit's pretty pretty nuanced right i mean one 
one exercise can be done a thousand different ways almost. Yes. So even though I'm trained in CrossFit, um, I methodologies are still there in terms of how I train the fitness portion. Um, but it's not CrossFit, CrossFit. You know, it's not, I don't want people going hard in the paint. And CrossFit is about intensity, you know, but obviously increased intensity, sacrifice form, technique, injuries can occur. So for me, it's more about the client can control their intensity. We're still doing methodologies in the sense of, you know, creating more power through movements, multi-joint movements, um, compound movements, rather than muscle isolation. Uh, So every movement that I program is going to be accompanied with a video going over biomechanics, points of performance, technique, and then going over scaling options. So like if we do a push-up, a lot of people can't just do a push-up on their hands and their, their feet. So I give them three different options. Literally, you can do a push-up against a wall and scale it, but still get that motor recruitment pattern. So, But also I never program. The only difference between my program compared to what I would do in person is that there's not a lot of strength building. We can still do strength building through tempo training and eccentric loading, but um, most people are coming to me to lose weight, get a sweat, um, heavy breathing, elevated heart rate, and that's about it, you know? Um, because you can still build strength by doing body weight movements. And I always say, look at gymnasts. They're, they have the most amazing physiques in the world and they don't lift weights. Mm. So, um, and more importantly, doing things remotely, you can't, I can't, I'm not going to program a percentage deadlift unless I see you in person. I'm not going to trust that you understand what that form looks like. So everything that I train on my program is really higher volume, lighter weight, high reps, you know, because at lighter weight, maintain form, higher reps, you're still getting the stimulus. You can still essentially move the same load just by doing more reps. Like we can calculate how much your deadlift weighs, how many reps you do it you know, 150 reps times 95 pounds, we can show how much weight you're, you're moving. And we can still do that rather than doing heavy loads at low reps, you know? So, and that's kind of how I train myself now. I used to, you know, be somewhat competitive in CrossFit. I mean, I, that's loosely used. But, um, you know, getting to regionals and stuff like that. Um, but I was doing CrossFit back when no one was really that strong. So it was really bodyweight ninjas like me. You know, like <laughs> if you could do a lot of pull-ups, you can run fast, you can move medium load well, you're going to perform decently and now everyone's just freakishly strong. So, you know, I got away from, because doing that for so long, you know, when you're training like that, you just end up hating training because you're constantly working on things you're not good at. And it's just like, Oh, this sucks. And so now the way that I personally train myself is just more kind of seal fit type of thing where it's, it's still CrossFit, but it's just higher volume, lighter weights. So I'd rather deadlift, 135 for 200 reps over the course of a workout then max out on a heavy deadlift where you know if i jack myself up that you know an injured athlete helps no one so i've found over the years that um doing the lighter weight higher volume has maintained my aesthetics which is really most important to me at this point i'm, I'm gonna be 40 you know and and so i don't care about going anywhere or qualifying i just want to look a certain way and I tell this all to people all the time, I'm like, I'm going to have abs until I die. <laughs> and I, I know that sounds stupid and silly, but they make me happy, you know, and I don't do it for anyone else. I do it for me, you know? So, uh, whatever I can do to maintain that, that's what I'm going to do. And I think people resonate with that because with CrossFit, it's like three, two, one, go. And it's stressful. You know, I think I have 
like most CrossFitters who've been doing this for a long time, have a little bit of PTSD a little, you know, with the clock. And so I just don't time my workouts anymore. You know, if you follow me on social media, it's always 10 rounds for fun. And for the longest time, people were like, that doesn't look like fun. Uh, that's what you consider fun. Uh, why are you doing that? Or even the, the hardcore CrossFitters are like, that's not improving your fitness. And I'm like, I'm not trying to improve my fitness. I just want to stay active, stay interested and maintain what I have, you know, and that's it, you know? So I think people are resonating with that, that reach out to me because a lot of my clients are 35 and up, you know, uh, they're not, you know, as you get older, you know, like things change, goals change, you know, you just want to stay in the game, but not have to like crush yourself because when I was training for competitions, like, you know, two, three training sessions a day, I mean, and now for competitive CrossFitters, it's a full-time job. Like if you, first you have to be genetically gifted. You have to, you know, put in the work. You have to be consistent, nutrition, training, all that stuff. Um, and for some people, I mean, this is going to be unpopular for me to say, but uh, CrossFit is a competitive sport. You can make money doing it. So to sit here and say that PEDs are not part of that sport, you're just being naive. Uh-oh. Yeah, so those women... And CrossFit that have the Ninja Turtle abs, you know, the shell abs that yeah. when they're, they're just, just breathing and it looks like a Ninja Turtle shell, yeah. they're on steroids, right? They have to be. I mean, distended bellies for both sexes is typically an indicator. Um, I know someone who has that. Joe Rogan? No. Who? Yeah, but no. Who? We were talking about earlier. Who? Tell me. The King. Liver King is not, he's, dude. He's got a Ninja Turtle body. Dude, he's come on multiple podcasts saying that he's not on steroids, and I believe him. <laughs> Do you believe him? Uh, <laughs> look at his face. <laughs> I don't believe him. I don't believe him. But he has yeah. that thing I you're talking to. about. Yeah. I want to believe him so bad, but I don't believe the him. The permanent abs that don't, I guess he doesn't breathe. Well, he's yeah. had implants. <laughs> that, w- that I would believe. No, he's definitely not had implants, but... um why doesn't he just come out and say that he's on steroids? Why that would just okay, fine. I, I would like him just as much. I don't. I mean, you like him. I but like I him. Would, nothing would change. I like him. Yeah, I would respect him a little bit more. Not um, that he's well. I don't clamoring for my. All respect. I can say is I don't. I don't have proof. Um, and so I really can't completely comment on that. But I don't know. Um, sometimes I don't know. You just never know. Why people do things, you know. But the women in CrossFit, definitely. Women, men too, you know. I think um, it, it. I can like, you can tell it a lot more in the females, I think. Like the Doris daughter, what's her name? Oh, Doris, <laughs> Thor's daughter. Thor's daughter? Yeah. She's Jack, bro. I mean, yeah, she's got... Uh, the thing is, some of these athletes, first off, they're ama- like. Oh yeah, they're performances amazing. they're amazing, you know. Um Annie Thor's daughter, I would re I mean, I, I don't want to think that because I do love her as like an athlete, as a person of just seeing her develop. But again, you know, I don't know. I mean, it's easy to look at it and say, like, okay, that's that's not natural. Um but again, people look at me sometimes and they say, oh, look, you have overdeveloped abs, so you're taking steroids. Yeah, people tell me that too. 
That's bad how quick he laughed. That's bad. That's bad. I haven't seen you shirtless. I don't know. Yo, I'll show you later. Okay. Go look at his Instagram. I'll show you every other picture. I almost looked as jacked as Mike. Thor's daughter. Thor's daughter. Like Thor's daughter. So, yeah, the way that Icelandic culture works is that it's really interesting. You can actually trace every citizen back to the original settlers of Iceland. So, uh, all the women are named after their fathers. So every woman's last name is different because they're named after uh, Thor's daughter. Is, her father was Thor. There's um, Sigmund's daughter. Her father's name is Sigmund. Um, Odin's daughter. So it's kind of interesting. There's a um, couple of them in CrossFit that are pretty oh, yeah. big, right? Yeah. Katrin David's daughter. Yeah. Um, Annie's Thor's daughter. Sigmund's daughter. And Good then names, too. Odin's daughter. Big yeah. Odin? Could you imagine? Oh, you better be big if your name's Odin. Jack, I mean, they're, look, they're, or Thor? They're, they're, they're related to Vikings. So like... Yeah. They look like Vikings. I mean, they're just, you know, imposing um, statured human beings. I mean, regardless of sex, I mean, they're, I mean, they lift way more than me, you know? Um, and I think, I think most of them outweigh me too. I'm only 165 pounds. So like, I know that Sarah Sigmund's daughter is at least 165, 170. Um, but yeah, so. Do they, do they test? Yeah, they do. For CrossFit? Yeah, they've... they've they've can beat that shit. Yeah, but that's the thing. You know, you can beat drug tests. And if you fail one, then I'm sorry, at this point in the game, you're stupid. <laughs> but unless they're doing drug tests like the Olympic um, Committee does them, like my business, Tony, he would be working, like his shift at Home Depot or whatever, and someone from OTC would come and they would just random randomly pull him aside walk him to the bathroom and physically watch him urinate in a cup, like physically watch it. I'm like, Ooh, like yeah. they wa-. he's like, yeah, it's just the way they do it. But that's not how CrossFit does it. You know, it's like, Oh, you, you know, when you're going to have your drug test. Um, obviously there's so many different ways to beat those things. Um, but again, I also say, you know, like even if I were taking the stuff that they're taking, I couldn't do what they're doing. Yeah. You know, they're still tremendous. I like, yeah, athletes. I like that. With, with all, um, what was the bike, bike rider? Yeah. Uh, Lance Armstrong. Lance Armstrong. Yeah. Nobody could win that many Tour de France's. No. Just normal no. people. Like, even if they were taking steroids. Even, yeah, yeah. Even, yeah. But the, the best way that I can describe this is that just picture everyone getting so fit that they've developed their engines to like Ferrari engines, right? Actually, I should say Lamborghini because I think they're above Ferrari, but. Better watch it. Yeah. There's a hierarchy. Yeah. You sh- do you know the story of Lamborghini and Ferrari? Mm-hmm. Oh, anyway, so <laughs> I'll tell you in a sec. Um, so everyone has like a Lamborghini engine, but to be a little better, you need a little supercharger. You know, you need that little step stool that gets you a little above the next person. And that's essentially what's happened. I think when you start throwing half a million or more dollars as a winning purse for the CrossFit Games, not to mention all the sponsorships you're going to get after that. I mean, yeah, people are going to do whatever they need to do to win. And that I can respect, but... You know, to sit here and say that CrossFit is a, a drug-free, you know, PED-free sport, it's like, no. They've they've made examples of people, I think, on purpose. Um, the not popular folks? Yeah. I, I Look, I don't want to say that... Again, I have heroes in that sport. Like, I look up to a lot of those, those top athletes. Um, but sometimes it's almost like that idea is like you don't want to meet your heroes or you don't want to know because then it just kind of ruins the facade. But I would say there's more people, in my opinion, there's probably more people taking something than not. But I also think 
that there are a lot of people that are taking stuff that aren't even qualifying, you know? So it's going back to that level of, I mean, even without them, these people are still tremendous athletes, you know? Do you think we should be able to do whatever we want? Like at at a certain level of sport, even... Even like the NFL or basketball or like like CrossFit, do you think we should just be able to do whatever we want though? So so we can see how competitive we could. There's there's two sides of it. Yeah. Some people are like, let's keep it clean. Some people are like, how far can we go? Yeah, and I think that's where CrossFit is trying to go. Like, how far can we push human performance? Because the 2008 CrossFit Games only had five workouts. They were hard back then. One of them was um, five rounds, five deadlifts at 275, and ten burpees. Back then, high reps at 275, no one was doing. They're like, we're going to hurt someone. And now the games are week-long events. You have a marathon row, then you have to do a triathlon, and then you have to do a heavy lift. And then you have, I mean, it's it's insane what people can now do compared to just from 2008. So to answer your question, I, I think when there's a prize in terms of monetary prize, you need to make it even whether that means, all right, you all do whatever you want. Let's see who gets, who wins. I'm okay with that. But if it's also like, all right, we have to keep, keep this clean and make sure that, every, I mean, but then you're always going to have some of them that get through and don't get caught. And then, you know, all that stuff. So honestly, yeah, I think, I think we should just say, have at it. Because at the end of the day, you and I, we're just spectators. So it's like, let's watch this shit show unfold. <laughs> I want to I see some Mortal Kombat bullshit. They put you like a million dollars there oh. and people put like biomechanics on it. Like, like, let's see how far, like who's going <laughs> to win this shit. Do you remember uh, the old 80s show, uh, American Gladiator? Mm-hmm. I, I want to see events like that. I want to see the joust. I want to see two people on a pedestal knocking the shit out of each other. Mm-hmm. Giant jousts. That would be fun. Those guys were huge too. Those guys were on steroids. For oh sure. yeah, all those people. And remember those names like Laser and Blaze. And I was <laughs> oh, like, oh, so good. Yeah. But I would love to see some of that stuff because that would be spectator friendly. Because yeah. then you could really root like, oh my gosh, my favorite crossfitter is about to joust with so and so. Like, yeah. They need better names. Like, not the real names. They need like Laser. Fake you know. I, I, I yeah. I think make some kind of like a character. Who knows? Who knows? Maybe that's the uh, the future. You know. Um. There's always been the talk of CrossFit eventually being an Olympic sport, but I don't think that's going to happen. Skateboarders in skateboarding's in now, dude. Three on three basketball is in. Is it really? We need to join. You can win a gold medal for three on three basketball. I love that. I love three on three basketball. I look. I love it. Not for a gold medal. I'm like, are these the people that just couldn't make five on five? Like, what about four on four? Hey, three on three is totally different than five on five. It is, but I'm like, sometimes it takes more skill. I'd much rather, I have, honestly, I have more respect for curling than three-on-three basketball. <laughs> That's almost equivalent to saying, like, you know, volleyball, you have the, you're regular, but then they have two-on-two, uh, which is, like, impressive. That, That's impressive. That's impressive. That's impressive. I don't know. When I saw three-on-three, I'm like, all right, so anything can be a sport now, you know? <laughs> isn't volleyball, a vol- volleyball, isn't volleyball only popular because women are wearing those bikinis? I don't think so. No, it, nah, I mean it's that's a big that who watches well, who watches volleyball besides well men. But you could say the same thing about gymnastics. You know, I'd say the same thing. No, but that gymnastics is like like I appreciate the yeah, art, but yeah, do yeah, they yeah. really need to wear those tights that are going up their ass? They're a dynamic, man. Yeah, mm, I don't know. 
What do you want them in like the big blow up suits? Yeah. <laughs> Where they can't flip. Then, I'd, I'd respect them a lot. Or more. like a sumo wrestler suit. You know? Yeah. That'd be I cool. think they're objectifying women. Well, the volleyball yeah. players, um, when they're a strike where they didn't want, they were trying to make their suits even like skimpier. Yeah. yeah. And so they were like, they revolted and put like these, like, I don't know, longer shorts on. Oh, I think I. Was that yeah. volleyball? I don't remember your softball. You're ringing a bell. Just I can't. It wasn't long ago. It was like no, less no. than a year. I feel like it was. I uh, I don't think it was volleyball. They was all got a track. They all got fined track. though because yeah. they didn't wear the official suit. I thought it was track. Yeah, some celebrities even track. Yeah, what, like like them. they're wearing like some stuff, like some lingerie almost for to, yeah. to compete in these sports. You know? Yeah. I mean, I get what you're they're saying. trying to get people to watch is what they're trying to do. Look, sex sells. Oh, let's, absolutely. Let's, let's be honest. That's know? why the podcast is working. Yeah, I you know. were supposed to not have your shirt on. So <laughs> thanks a lot. I don't have to have my shirt on. Can uh, you take it off? <laughs> sure. I, I can. Let's take it off. Let's see what you got. You need to take yours off too, though. Make uh, them feel comfortable. I'll take it off when I stand up. <laughs> so, so it all kind of stretches yeah. out <laughs> I got you I, I got like, you Hey he gets completely naked He rips it and He doesn't even take it off Is that where you got your uh, Your lung surgery? That's no this is actually Funny story um, Now I feel comfortable Not funny story The hell but, man um, I'm gonna I had go. a I had like a I think it was like a mole or something And I My dermatologist Was actually one of my clients And we were in the gym And he's looking at me he says hey you know i think we need to remove that and i'm like okay cool so we removed it and then oh there we go yeah um so we removed it and then uh i had like a, a stitch and then it turned into a keloid scar which i i've had surgeries for all my lung surgeries and they've never keloid over mm. so at first i'm like javi what the fuck is this and he says uh, come in we'll remove it i'm like you just removed the other okay so i went in they removed it again and then it just got bigger and I said, mm. what is happening? He says, well, here's what's happening. You have a scar right on the middle of your chest. Based on the vectors of your chest, every time you do a push-up, a handstand, or a handstand push-up or a press, you're stretching that scar. And then that's what happens. So I said, what do I do? He says, you just can't do push-ups. I'm like, what? No more over, overhead pressing for a little bit. I'm like, I think I'm just going to live with the scar. And so this is the current size of it. So like, it actually is probably... The one thing I'm most self-conscious about. Really? I'm sorry. No, 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 no. It's okay. It's okay. But what I I hate is that it's like, someone says, well, it's right on the center of your chest. So it's like even. It looks good. Yeah, I can't even. Uh, I didn't even see it. I thought it was part of your tattoos. uh, Well, I actually want my tattoo artist to like go over it. But you should put a butthole right there. (laughs) You got to watch this guy. (laughs) So hold on. Talk to me about this. How, if I want to get. He's trying really hard to get abs right now. But I'm I'm 170, like two right now. Okay. And we're about the same height. Yeah, I, th- I think I need to get to 165. Are you not following your diet though? No, I Let's am. Let's be honest here. A hundred. Because I thought you were being real strict. I am real strict. Well, I would say this: I, I wouldn't focus so much on the number on the scale. You know, because remember, if you're lifting weights, you're doing conditioning, and you're eating clean, you could be dropping body fat percentage and upping lean muscle mass. So I tell a lot of people: look, don't don't live by the scale. Go by you know photos, how your clothes are fitting, stuff like that. But ultimately, to have any muscle definition, it's a, a, a factor of body fat percentage. So you just need to be, I mean, again, based on thermodynamics, we could get into stress and sleep and hydration and all those things. But ultimately, if you're not expending more calories than you're taking in, calories in, calories out type of thing, you're not going to be able to lose do body you, fat. Do you eat pizza? Once in a while, yeah. Yeah? Yeah. 
So do you go off a diet? Like you're you're ba- you're mostly animal based. Yes. So if I go off, um, honestly, right now it might be like a, a either gluten free or a cauliflower pizza. You know, something like that. Um, if I'm in New York or I'm someplace where I'm gonna have like a pizza pizza, I I I believe in like look, cauliflower pizza is okay. It's not that great. Like it still gives me that fix, but when in Rome, like I, 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 the only, I don't like demonizing food. The only thing I will demonize is sugar, um, for lots of different reasons, but ultimately once in a while, yeah, I'll go off plan. But the thing is, is that I do it like, let's just say I have a full on gluten pizza, like full of flour and all that stuff. It hurts me for like five to six days. So it deters me from wanting to do it again, but that only works if you're eating clean for a while. You know, mm. because like anything else, if someone drinks Coke every day, it's not going to taste sweet to them. You tell them to cut it out for 30 days and reintroduce it, they're not going to be able to finish the can. So we become, you know, accustomed to what we're consuming. Um, but at the end of the day, it's just uh, diet related. I always tell people abs are made in the kitchen, not the gym. How many um, times a day do you go off your diet? Or a week do you go off your diet? Um, well, I just started recently seeing someone so i have a, a girlfriend and so I'm, no no it's not because of her i think it's because what, of her no, no 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 that's why no, i got fat. no 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 i think look i'm an adult i can make my own choices mm. i think what's happening now is that uh i mean we've only been seeing each other for like you know six seven weeks it's still new and when i'm with her i feel like i'm on vacation <laughs> so i'm like yeah that's okay i'm just gonna have this and that and things that i typically not terrible you know they're not terrible stuff you know, I might have more potatoes than I typically might have. Or she makes these, um, the Kodiak protein cakes, the gluten-free ones, which are, are fine. You know, I just don't typically eat that stuff. So, like, that's to me is like going off plan, you know, where typically I'm just doing a uh, more of a carnivore keto type of plan where I'm not doing keto in the sense of tracking macros. I'm just doing animal protein or high quality protein, um, low carb, and then tons of healthy fat. So that's pretty much how I work off of. And I, I'm typically, and I do OMAD, so I'm only doing like one meal a day, typically. OMAD? Uh, oh, one meal a day. What did you say first though? OMAD? OMAD? Yeah. It's one an acronym. Is that an acronym? Yeah. Is that the acronym for it? Okay. <laughs> yeah. One meal a day. I can't think that quick. Yeah, no, okay. <laughs> um, so for me, that just works best for me. So I am doing intermittent fasting by nature because I'm only eating roughly once a day. Yeah. Sometimes Every- I'll eat twice a day, but for me, I just function better off of being in a fasted state. Um, and a lot of people's like, then how do you? They say, well, then you're you're cannibalizing your muscle, and I'm like, I look the same. You know, I, I haven't really gotten skinny by doing one meal a day. And then I always use a famous famous example. I'm like Terry Crews. He does one meal a day, but he's on roids too, though. Probably, but <laughs> do you take supplements? The only supplements I take are PEDs. <laughs> right in the butt. Right in the butt. Um, is just uh, tallow um, okay. and living collagen. Those are the only two. Tallow. Tallow is a supplement. Yeah, it's it's just fat. Yeah, yeah. Fat. I yeah. cook. I cook in fat. So I yeah. So um, ancestral supplements. Actually, I take their living collagen and their tallow. So I still take their supplements, um, but those are the only two I take currently. I didn't know tallow was considered a supplement. I thought it was just a, a type of fat. I mean, it is in. a fat. It's just in a capsule form. So okay. it's just like, again, because I only eat once a day, I don't cook a lot. I mean, for me, like living alone, 
I've always found that cooking for one is just depressing. So I just don't do it often. Um, so that's why just a capsule of tallow for me is just a, a way to get healthy fat without having to like break out a pan and like cook and stuff like that. So we talked a lot about like genetics earlier and I think mm -hmm. that's just my problem. Like no matter how hard I'm just, I can run a long distance mm -hmm. and I can lift a lot of weight. I'm pretty strong, but <laughs> what was that? I coughed a little bit. <laughs> the guy that doesn't work out at all. But I just, I'm not made for ab. My chest, I'll fuck up. Uh, my chest is pretty good. But you I just, could, you could get abs. One day. I got, I got a solid two right now. Okay. Well, walk me through what you eat in a day. Mm, I want to hear this. Be um, honest. Too. Uh, okay. A, a normal day. Normal day. Not like this is my best day. Okay. Normal day is probably two meals a day. Okay. And it's uh, the lunch will be eggs and steak. And then yeah. the dinner will be probably eggs and steak. Sometimes I have some potatoes. Okay. So potatoes every now and then I eat some raw liver. Um, but oh, I don't so, really. Oh, so you're on the, the liver train. Yeah. Well, my family has a ranch and so we butcher our own cows. Oh, stuff. that's awesome. Yeah. Okay. Well, well we don't actually butcher our own yeah, cows. Yeah, we yeah, get yeah, them butchered. Yeah. But yeah. So I'll eat the bone marrow and all that good stuff. Mm -hmm. um, but once a week we have like a cheat day and I, I go pretty ham on the cheat day. Is it a day or a meal? Uh, a meal, a meal. Okay. Yeah, okay, okay. Yeah. So like tonight's pizza night and I haven't had pizza in like three months and okay. I was just been craving it all week. So we're going to go ham on some pizza. So you, you're basically just doing protein. Yeah. Protein and uh, I eat fruit too. Okay. Um, I probably go a little heavy on the honey. Okay. That could be. I, I eat a lot of honey. I mean, again, sugar, carbohydrates. I mean, yeah. those are rich in that as much as I love honey. Um, I know for me, I just can't consume a ton of it, you know, just because I don't function well off of high carbohydrate diets and some mm. people do, you know, yeah. and, and, um, I think, so you're telling me you wake up, like walk me through, like wake up, like time, like walk me through when you're eating the steak and eggs and fruit and honey. Uh, I eat about 11 o'clock. Okay. And then again, about five or six and then I don't eat anything. Okay. There for a while I was battling like eating in the middle of the night. Well, that, I, I literally would wake up, but I don't do, I don't have it done. Sleep, sleep eating. Yeah. yeah. I don't yeah. have any, like what happens at midnight and 4am between those hours. I don't know. Oh, like sleep eating. Yeah. Yeah. Like I'll literally wake up and then I'll wake up. Have you ever filmed, like put a camera in your My kitchen? wife has recorded me, um, not re eating, but talking cause I talk. Yeah. But now that I've been, uh, I don't do that as much. I, I do, um, I don't know if it really relates to it, but I've been doing some cold plunges. Okay. And now I've been sleeping. She said I don't talk as much. And well, I, 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 been, I, I haven't been. Yeah, the up. cold exposure definitely helps with circadian rhythm and stuff like that. But if you're consuming food unconsciously, like, <laughs> that's probably the culprit. I've been like good but, for about six weeks now. Okay. Yeah. But there could be possibilities where you have eaten something you just have no recollection. Uh, no, there's there's because there's crumbs everywhere. Got it. Yeah, there's <laughs> yeah there's I'll know or should, or, or there's a coke should, you, or there's a coke in the in the kitchen that's like half drank. You should you should make like a whole, a whole series video? <laughs> of videos on this. Yeah. People would think it's it's fake because it sounds. Oh no, it's real. When my wife listens, because I'll I'll say some raunchy stuff to her like. Some pretty bad stuff. In your sleep? Yeah. I'll be like, give me that pussy. Give me that stuff. And I don't remember saying that stuff. She's like, John, and she'll antagonize me too. She'll, she'll Make hit you me. Say it more. Yeah. She'll yeah. like, wake up, John. I'm like, no, just give me that ass. Give me that ass. And it's, 
whenever she shows it to me or you know lets me listen to it because it's pitch black you can't yeah, see yeah, it. yeah 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 i think it's fake i'm like that doesn't sound real but i, I really want to know why that's happening i don't know <laughs> i would love i don't know but so let's <laughs> <a> deep dive <laughs> <laughs> but um so we try not to watch we try not to watch tv in the room anymore um, I, I, I turn off my, my phone is basically obsolete, like at seven o'clock. Mm-hmm. And it's like I said, since I've been doing this for about six weeks, it's gotten better. So I think okay. I just need a little bit more time. Maybe I think more time. Um, I mean, sometimes for some people, if your calories are too low, sometimes that can affect mm-hmm. weight loss or, or stuff like that. Um, how, how in terms of exercise, you're just lifting. For the most part, I do. Uh, well, no, 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 because I, I lift about four days a week, and then I've recently started running again. Okay. So okay. I'll run 15, 20 miles a week. Okay. Lift about f- four to five hours a week. Okay. That's not bad. Uh, yeah. I mean, this might be unpopular to some people, but like for me personally, I just I feel leaner and better when I do a ton of cardio. Mm-hmm. And but I'll like if you see my workouts, it's always mixing a movement or two with like an active rest of like a four hundred meter run, five hundred meter row, skier, bike, and that's how I get my cardio in. Um, so I'm not separating the two. I mean, I love. I mean, I ran marathons. I love running. I I I just love it. But you know, I don't have. Well, now I have more time. But before, I didn't have a lot of time to just go run a ten mile run or whatever. Yeah. Um. But in terms of weight loss and stuff like that, obviously you're going to get more bang for your buck by lifting weights. Um, but I would say, I mean, from what you're, you're saying, everything sounds pretty good. Yeah. Um, it's gotten a lot like my, I'm, I'm getting a little leaner. Um, and the weight is dropping a little bit cause I was about 176, okay. 177 and now it's like 172. So what's, uh, how, how much honey do you and fruit do you eat? ungodly amount of honey dude it doesn't taste the fruit i don't think no (laughs) it's a lot of honey i've like i said i've cut it back okay i i promise you if you cut out the honey or like minimized it um you would definitely lean up now the thing is it's going to affect performance sometimes you know because i think a lot of people that run off of you know carbohydrates and glucose and those types of things you know you're relying on that i'm just so used to working out in a fasted state i I can't work out i mean i can it's just very uncomfortable to work out with food in my stomach Uh, i don't like doing that either so for me, it's do you yeah. do you work out in the morning or in the evening? I typically like working out in the morning. Yeah, me too. Um, but if I have to work on the afternoon, obviously I will. Um, but yeah, I would suggest dialing back the honey. And uh-huh. what type of fruit do you eat? Mango and strawberries mainly. Okay, I mean, and try to berries. just try to stick to berries. They're lower in sugar. Um, mangoes are obviously super high. Oh, they're um, so good though. I, I know. Oh, but, but do you put honey? Your mang- <laughs> Yeah, it's honey bro. on that. Yeah. Bro, like a lot. More MD, bro. You see him? Okay. He's on PEDs too, isn't he? Who? The carnivore MD. Uh, I don't know about That dude it. is yoked. Nah, he's he's kind of thin. Yeah, but he's he's got like a 10 pack. And he's got like he's I think pretty. that's only because he's thin. You think so? He's got like the skinny abs. I used to tell that to, yeah. uh, to guys in high school. Yeah. But I was real jealous about their abs. I, like, I was real jealous. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, you got the skinny boy abs. <laughs> that's what my brothers actually used to say. When I had my lung surgery, I lost so much weight. They're like, that's the only reason you had abs because you had lung surgery. I'm like, they got that from me. Yeah, <laughs> probably. I don't know. But I, I don't think Paul Saladino is taking anything like that. Yeah. I, um, I mean, in many respects, I think he's, he's just as extreme as Liver King in certain things. You know, oh. because remember, he was pure carnivore before, yeah. and then he changed his platform to start introducing fruit, where before, 
that was, I mean, even in his book, he does talk about fruit, but like on his platforms, he never did carbohydrates. Yeah. And then he, my issue with his platform is that, and it works for him, cool, but he demonizes so many things. Yeah. It's like, bullshit, that's bullshit, veggies are bullshit, and it's like, look, okay, fine, and I know it's just for shock value, and again, he's going to get a lot of um, opposing views, and that increases engagement, obviously, but I just don't think it's it's good to be demonizing anything. You know, minus sugar, sugar, refined sugar, processed, processed sugar, processed foods, like that stuff, I'm all for educating people. And I'm, I'm never going to say you can't have a pizza, you can't have a cupcake. But I'm like, look, ask yourself okay. one question. Where are you in relation to where you want to be? If you're nowhere, and that's an honest question you have to ask yourself because some people tell themselves, oh, I'm, I'm happy. I'm like, but are you? Because if you're not, that's okay. But you need to be honest with yourself in regards to having that conversation. And then it, that just determines how stringent you need to be. Yeah. You know, Because my goal is to get people to where they want to be and then discuss what does maintenance look like? Because too often, the diet industry in this country is really good at getting people to lose weight, but they give them no tools to thrive on their own because it's a business. They know you're going to go off their program. You're going to gain all the weight back because they haven't given you any tools to sustain that weight loss. And they're like, oh, you're going to come back and give me more money. Mm. I tell all my clients when they start with me, my goal is to get you to a point where you can fire me. I said, look, you don't want to work with me forever. I don't want to work with you forever. I said, that would be, <laughs> That's the best one. Right? Yeah. I said, that would be a hellish experience for both parties. Let's be honest. So I want to get you to where you want to be, discuss maintenance, treat meals, alcohol, if that's part of your lifestyle, like all those things. And how do you maintain that, you know? Yeah. And that's the goal, you know? So, yeah. Do you but, drink? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> what do you drink? So, what can you drink to keep abs? I need to know. This yeah, is my time now. I love that you yeah. actually, you fuck around a little bit, but you oh, still got some abs. Yeah, so for me, and this just works best for me, I'd rather drink a treat meal than eat something poor. You know, like if it was a different, uh, like if I could do a craft cocktail or a pizza, I'd probably choose the cocktail. Really? Yeah. Old-fashioned so, guy or what? Yeah, yeah. I mean, on a regular, I love tequila, mezcal, um, vodka, gin. I mean, obviously, those are cleaner alcohols compared to whiskey and bourbon. So that's hard done. I was gonna be like, you know, vodka, gin, mushrooms, <laughs> cocaine. <laughs> oh, I, I, I fucked around with some shrooms recently, and that was quite the experience. But um, so for like, if you, most of my clients are like, I still need to have a drink. You know, I am, I have three kids, I have a stressful job. I'm like, look, I get that. You know, I tell a lot of people just in the beginning, Tito's club soda lime. It's light, it's refreshing, it gets the job done, and you're not getting a bunch of like syrups and mixers and all those other things in it. Uh, lately, I've been on this ranch water kick, oh. um, which is funny. One of my friends I went to middle school with in London, uh, him and his wife and his family live in the Heights. And I went out for his birthday like a f- couple months ago, and he was just ordering ranch waters. And at the time, I'd seen it on a menu, I just didn't know what it was. And I said, well, you really like that ranch water? He's like, yeah. He's like, what are you getting? I said, I'm getting vodka soda. He's like, that's a bitch drink, bro. Like, <laughs> this is more manly. I'm like, what? It's like the same so, thing. <laughs> the same thing. But I will say, depending on where you get it, they put stuff, I mean, it's agave. It's like things I typically wouldn't be drinking a lot of. But man, they're so good. It's and fucking so, good. I order, I order tequila, soda, and lime. Yeah. And they, they say, always, the waitress is like, you, want, you mean ranch water? I yeah. said, 
If that's what's in it, then no, bring me well, ranch the, water. The ranch water has, has some other stuff in it. Yeah, it's sugary. Yeah, sugary and the lime. And sometimes that lime juice isn't just lime juice. You know, it's it's like agave. artificial lime. Yeah, packed so, with seed oils and vegetable oils, <laughs> yeah. like acid and all that shit. Well, yeah, no, I don't do seed oils, um, but I do like alcohol. I do. You it's know, good. and I, for me, I've been able to. Like I said, I, I feel like having alcohol on a, like, you know, one or two times a week, maybe on the weekends pretty much, um, that doesn't derail my aesthetics more so than food would, you know, like, uh, like all the gluten-free stuff I've been eating over the past week, you know, it's affected my aesthetics for me. Like this is not where I typically am, you know, and you know, that's okay. And I, and I try to tell people that, look, like you can't, like there's going to be the ebbs and flows of life and you need to. It's just a matter of not dwelling on things, you know? Um, but I take ownership over the fact that, you know, I ate stuff that's off plan, so I can't really be mad because I made those choices, you yeah. know? Um, but for me, give me like four or five days just to get back on what I normally do and I can kind of get back to where I want. I will say, though, living in Utah, I was the leanest I've ever been. I think it was a mixture of the altitude and the cold, you know, because you're always cold. And I'm like, and I remember thinking, I'm like, wow, I have veins in my abs. Like, this is amazing. <laughs> and I just thought, I'm killing it. And then I moved to Texas, I'm like, oh, my veins went away. And I'm like, <laughs> it's always so hot here. I feel like I'm just retaining water. So, you know, cold exposure is really good for vascularity and stuff like that. And obviously inflammation and all Yeah, that I feel great doing it. Oh, yeah. I, like, I just don't like changing the water every so often. Yeah. Oh, do you actually have, like, a cold plunge? I have a freezer. Oh, a freezer and you put yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I need to get a filter and a UV. Have you seen the cold plunge? Like, the actual... Like the, it's the bath? called yeah, it's called the cold plunge. Yeah, yeah, I that mean, thing looks amazing. It's amazing, but it's like seven thousand yeah, dollars probably. How much yeah. is it? I think it's like six or something like that. Why is it so expensive? Why is it because they so know expensive? that everybody wants one now? It's That's the whole the, reason they made I, it. Yeah, I, I mean the design is great. It looks like a bathtub. Um, there's Which, lights and like uh, the filtration system obviously makes it to a point where you don't have to change that water. If you're just using it yourself, you don't need to change it for like. I think it read like four to five weeks or something Damn. Like that because it filters the water. So I'm like, if I was sharing that with a person, I'm like disgusting, you know, yeah. like <laughs> I'd be changing that shit every day. Do you do it after or before your workouts? Um, I mean, there's science, obviously after a strength workout, you don't want to be doing cold because it's going to kind of stunt. This guy's good. Yeah. But if your goals are not to really build strength, which I'm not trying to get strong anymore. I mean, I'll do them after. Really? Um, yeah. I need all the help I can get, so I, I moved it to before. Mm. Yeah. I'm curious to see if you were to try my protocol with just lightweight high reps. First yeah. off, you're going to be so sore, which I love soreness. Yeah, I like I like um, waking up. I love when I wake up in the morning after leg day, the next day, mm -hmm. and if I can go take a shit and it's going to hurt oh, yeah. to sit down. It's the best. <laughs> it's the best feeling it's, in the It's world. the best. And one of my clients says, I don't get this. He's walking in. He says, this is supposed to be supposed to be functional fitness. I'm like, it is. He says, if I can't function, then what's the fucking point? And I'm like, <laughs> fair point, bro. Fair point. I didn't think about That's that. That's pretty funny. Um, if I can't function. So like try, I just did a workout a couple days ago. So do you have a skier or access to that or a rower or anything? No, no. I'm tight. I don't spend in a whole lot of money either. Okay, so Make where one. where do you... My gym, my garage. Okay, do you have any cardio equipment in there? My feet. <laughs> he has a couple rocks he found from <laughs> up north that he just lifts. Okay, uh, do you have a dip bar? Yes. Okay, so try this. Do 10 rounds, 
400 meter run, 30 bar dips. 10 rounds of that. Try that. 30. 30. That's a lot. <laughs> I like those eyes. Yeah. <laughs> That's a lot. So the challenge is to see if you can do them unbroken, uh, which is... That's, yeah, that's but, not but gonna ju- happen. But just get the volume done. I want to see how you feel. That's just one, and that's a workout. Yeah, I did that on Monday. Okay. Yeah, but I did with a ski erg. So I did 500 meter ski erg, 30 unbroken dips for 10 rounds. Is that what that thing's called? Where you just is that yeah. an ab thing or what does that work out? Um, I mean, you can try to make it like that, but it's just a cardio piece of equipment. I mean, it's using a lot of lats. Um, I mean, I guess you could say it's. Could abs. you do the same thing with with bands? Could you do that with bands? Mm, not this. I mean, you could get the same movement, movement, but it's not the it's same. Not the same. Yeah. Okay. Think of like a rowing machine. I mean, you could do rows, but it's not the same as a like a row. Okay. Um, but yeah, any type of cardio piece, like you could do again, like a 400 meter run, 15 back squats at 135, 10 rounds. Yeah. Try that. You that's know? good shit right there. 15 bench press, 135 with a 400 meter run. So that's how I. That's and I, that would be a workout. That would be a complete workout. workout. Mm-hmm. Oh shit! Okay, you get to run and together. Yeah, yeah. Consider like. consider your run as just an active rest. So it's it's kind of like zone two cardio where you just it's low intensity. You're just you should be able to have conversation. And by the time you come back, it'd be two ish minutes if you're running it slow, and that's enough time to kind of get into another set. I don't time it though. Like if I feel a little smoked after a set, I just like. I'm going to rest as needed. And when yeah. I feel like, especially if I'm doing a workout where I want the movements to be unbroken, I'm going to take a little more rest. You know, I do more of the traditional like weightlifting. And then I, like this morning I did some pull-ups, some lat pulls, some cable rows, like a back workout for like 25 minutes. And then I ran four miles afterwards, but you're talking about like mix it in. in yeah. Inner, yeah. Consider it just your rest. You'll be more efficient with your time. Um, and, I always do the 10 rounds for the most part. Sometimes I might do 15 or 20 rounds depending on what I'm doing, but I like the 10 rounds because 400 meters, you're going to two and a half miles of running. Yeah. And then at 15 reps, which is pretty much the minimum I'll do, unless it's like a heavier load, you're getting 150 reps or something, you know? So you're getting volume um, without having to lift heavy. So you're still lifting a lot of weight based on just math and physics. But I'm telling you, it's like... The soreness is so awesome. I'm gonna try it. I'm gonna integrate a couple yeah. a couple yeah. days a week. Just ten rounds for fun, man. Fuck around. All right, man. How can people uh, follow you on Insta and TikTok and all that good stuff? Yeah, my handle uh, for both platforms is Beyond the Tats. Uh, you can check out my website beyondthetats.com. Um, if you go to the website, you're gonna see uh, the intake form at the top, um, but then you can kind of scroll down and see before and after pictures of my clients read testimonials and stuff like that. And then it gives you a little more information about how the platform works. Uh, but that's pretty much it. All right, man. It was, it was fun. We need to do it again too. Yeah, this was awesome. All right, buddy. Thanks Later. for having me. Yep. Bye.